I was getting, I was getting a lot of no letters, and I kept some of the letters because it was like motivation for me. I was young in my coaching career. I did know that those guys I was coaching, this was their one opportunity. If you really want the players to like you, just make them better. If I want to keep playing this game, you know, as a job, I, I have to continue to get better at that. You have to figure out a way to carve out some value that you have that you can bring not only to your team, but also your profession. It's really good information, and I pick up little nuggets all the time. For me, it's all about confidence, man. You, you have to have confidence to be a shooter, to be uh, a basketball player in general, and to have success. You, you, it's all about confidence. If they walk a mile in my shoes, then they can bow like I do. But my game different, not the same with it. I travel now, y'all just change, pivot. Welcome back to the Shooter's Touch podcast, where we're trying to grow the game of basketball one story at a time. Today, we bring on Casey Kasperbauer. He's the assistant coach for the University of South Dakota, originally from Carroll, where he put together a heck of a high school career. He was four-time All-State, went to the state tournament his freshman and his sophomore year, finished second in school history in scoring, first in assists, first in steals, first in three-pointers made. Had an opportunity to go up to Vermilion as a player, and spent four years for the Coyotes, in which he put together a really nice playing career. Spent a short amount of time overseas before coming back and, and deciding that this coaching thing is in his blood and what he was meant to do. And so he jumped right in feet first and has put together a nice little career. He's a guy that you can just tell just loves the game. He's super passionate about it. And so sitting talking with him about hoops was, was super easy and a lot of fun. We think you'll enjoy it. As always, shoot or shoot. Well, Coach Kasperbauer, welcome to the Shooter's Touch. Yeah, thank you guys. appreciate you guys having me on. Of course, I've uh, spent about 20 minutes talking to you guys behind the scenes about all the, all the good Iowa high school stories, so I'm excited to really dive in tonight. Absolutely. We're looking forward to it, Coach. We appreciate you taking some time. I know it's been uh, a busy... A busy summer, as always, when with recruiting, but extra busy for you the last couple of weeks as you uh, went ahead and got married and went on a honeymoon in the last two weeks. And so, wh- first of all, how 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 are you recovering? Do you feel like you're finally back in the swing of normal life? And then ultimately, how was the wedding and how was the honeymoon? Yeah, I've had a week to kind of gather myself. Uh, the honeymoon, the wedding was great. We got married in uh, in California, Northern California, Santa Rosa. And then took the honeymoon to uh, Cancun, and I've had the last week to recuperate. So I'm good to go. I'm. It was a blast, but I'm excited to be back in Vermilion, South Dakota, and and back in the office. Probably a little bit of a culture change from South Dakota to California. Why? Uh, why California? Is any any ties, or you guys just wanted to do something different, or what was the thought there? Yeah, kind of some ties. Um, basically, the tie was Lindsay, my wife's, uh, her parents are members of this wine club um it's called saint francis winery and so we we set out when we got engaged we were like let's do a destination long story short we were like let's just do a destination i don't know where it's going to be or when it's going to be but then we decided upon this and um we're kind (laughs) of i don't want to say we're wine connoisseurs but we do like our wine and so we, we decided that we wanted to taste some wine and 
there's no better spot to taste wine than wine country. So we decided to do that and then um, kind of just went ahead with it. It was, it was a blast. It really was. It was a smaller wedding, but all of our closest friends and family were able to attend. And, and obviously it was like beautiful vineyards and obviously amazing wine. It was, it was really a blast. It was a good time. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, I bet that was a lot of fun. So, so where, where, how did you meet your wife? She's actually from Carroll, where I'm from, Carroll, Iowa. So um, she played volleyball at UNI, actually. Uh, so she's an athlete. Um, and so we, you know, we, we dated in high school, went, went our separate ways in college, um, stayed together. And then we, uh, I went overseas after I played at USD here. I went overseas for a year, came back. She was in grad school at Drake for occupational therapy. And then, um, so we lived together. We, had, we lived in Ankeny, Iowa for a year. And then I took the USD job in 2018. And then I, if it was, I think it was two years later where she finished her doctorate at Drake and um, found a job here in South Dakota. And then we kind of, we, we lived together again. And then here we are. So we're, we're, we've been married for two weeks. Look been at a, been a great two weeks. Look at you, smart, <laughs> smart, and athletic. It sounds like yeah. uh, you hit the jackpot. I agree. I totally agree, and I'll make sure Lindsay knows that that <laughs> I hit the jackpot. She probably hit the jackpot as well, right? <laughs> there you go. That's right. That's right. It's a sign of a uh, sign of a good coach uh, when you can outkick your coverage a little bit. It means it means mm-hmm. you know how to recruit, right? You know those tweets. Uh, like I've I've seen all these tweets about like when coaches get married or get engaged, like landing my best recruit. I feel like I've landed my best recruit with Lindsay. So this is, yeah, good time. Good for you. Good for you. Um, well, we'd also got to mention uh, a big summer in the fact that new head coach, um, yeah. so you have a, a new boss, Eric Peterson, um, coming back as the header there. And so uh, what has that been like in a little bit of the transition, um, getting coach up to speed? I know a lot of you guys there on staff have been there. Um, mm. and so how, how summer been with that and camps and getting, getting everybody going and the guys and the systems in there. Yeah. Spring and summer was great. I think the advantage for me personally, honestly, is the fact that I played for PD. So I had a relationship with him and I've stayed in touch with him or I had stayed in touch with him since I got done playing for him when he was the assistant here at USD. So I've known him really since it would have been the spring of 2014. Um, is when he was hired heading into my junior year of college. So um, I've known him since, you know, 2014, basically. So for eight years, I've known him. And then when he got hired in the spring, we really hit the ground running. And like I said, the advantage was I knew kind of who he coached under. And so I I thought I knew kind of what his principles were going to be, what his expectations were going to be. So that was easy from that standpoint. And like, I knew that I knew most of the terminology. We just kind of hit the ground running, like I said, and obviously he hired a staff first and foremost, but then we recruited a lot of our guys are, you know, our returners, we recruited back and we're lucky to retain a lot of those guys. And then we had to fit in with the new pieces and we had some spots to fill. And I feel like we hit home runs with all of those spots. And then, um, summer we used all eight weeks of our summer access and obviously recruited really really hard and um it's been great you know he's the, I think the biggest adjustment was just the pace 
of everything and like the speed and and the intensity that we go about everything we do but like I said for for our players it was brand new for me as a former player of PDs it was like just kind of circling back to 2014 15 16 like we just kind of it feels like we just kind of reverted back to that time as far as our pace and intensity goes and then we we just like kind of kept it rolling with our terminology and everything so it was it was a really good and really productive spring and summer um having spent so much time uh, uh with him as a as a player and now obviously on staff um what are a couple of things you're most excited for him bringing um him being town and being the the head coach of the oats yeah good question um i'm excited about like i just alluded to the pace the speed of everything um I think that uh, culture is like such a buzzword. Everyone uses the word culture and then no one knows how to define it, how to define it, you know? And so how I would define our culture right now is we hold everyone, players, staff, support staff, everybody to the same exact standard. And everyone's just kind of held to that standard. And it starts with coach Peterson who holds himself to that standard and then everyone else kind of falls in line as far as that goes. And so that's a huge deal. And then the freedom with which we're going to play offensively and, and defensively, like at the top, if there was like a pyramid, they, the very top is like just playing as hard as we possibly can. And then it's in, because you're playing so hard, you have all the freedom in the world to do what you're really good at and whatever your strengths are, like you're going to be able to use those strengths to your advantage and that's what I've noticed so far. And um, that's going to be like a huge, a huge piece to how we recruit for sure. And then how we play is just going to be, it's free. It's open. If you're really good at cutting, you're going to cut. If you're really good at driving, you're going to drive. If you're really good at posting up shooting, like I can go on and on. If you're really good at that, you're going to do that all the time. And that's how we're going to get really good. I like the sound of that. If that means, uh, you can just shoot the ball if you're open, you know, right? Yeah. Let it fly. Unless unless you can't shoot. Then we don't want you to shoot. <laughs> then you, then and, you're open for a reason, right? And then, yeah, then we show the film to you and you're like, hey, you're shooting 13% from three. There's a reason why you're, you're shooting all the time. Can you not shoot those shots? <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, yeah, you got to definitely, uh, definitely KYP, right? Know your personnel um, and know what you're good at. So uh, that's a definitely, definitely a big piece of, of coaching and, and the next level too, which we'll get to. But before we get there, we, we do have to turn the hands back a little bit. And we got to know a little bit about, uh, about growing up uh, in Carroll and the, the high school and, and even youth days. Um, I know you did some AAU with Kingdom Hoops as well. But uh, so you were all state for four years in a row. You're second in school history and scoring first in threes, assists, and steals. Um, I saw somewhere where you dropped 47 on winter set. And so it was just a, just a walking bucket. Um, <laughs> but uh, so a lot of success uh, individually as, as a player, which I, we definitely want to dive in uh, and learn a little bit more about. As a team, you guys uh, finished third in state as a freshman um and so just when exactly did you know that that was going to be your last trip back to the state tournament um well my last trip back to the state tournament was my sophomore year so oh, you went you guys went back 
that's on our IT department. Come on. Yeah. Uh, we got we got to talk to those guys. So I I did 50% of my high school career. I was at the state tournament. So that's pretty good. I'll take that's it. That's good. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> no, I uh I don't know what your question was, but I will say uh that freshman year of like I, I came into the year and you know we run as every high school does, we do the summer camps. So leading up to like from eighth grade to ninth grade, I, I participated in the JV team and the varsity team and the freshman team. I was kind of like going back and forth. I really didn't know where I was going to fit. But when the season started, I was on the varsity team and I wasn't starting. I was on the bench and we had a ton of seniors and football that season. We had the basically the same seniors kind of led us in football. They led us in basketball as well. And I think what everyone talked about, like coaches at every, in every sport and even administrators were like talking about how the leadership of the senior class was so great. And it's so true. So senior year, we made it to the game before we, you get to the uni dome. So we made it to the, it would be the quarterfinal. So we made it to the lead a, the football Yep. and, um, in basketball, I started off the year, I was off, I was on the bench, and I don't know how many games in, maybe three or four games in, and they entered me to the starting lineup for one reason or another. I was scoring the ball, and we were winning, and I was playing a lot of minutes and playing well. I think the, the theme of that year, though, was that senior leadership. Everyone just kind of did their job, and there was no egos. The person spot that I filled um, in the starting lineup was a senior. I took the se- a senior starting lineup spot, and I've learned this towards the later part of the season that he actually went into the head coach's office, Coach Dalma, and said, I shouldn't be starting. You should start Casey. He's better than me. And this is a senior who's the starting fullback, the starting <laughs> middle linebacker, had every right to be like, why are you playing the freshman? Don't play the freshman. He sucks. Like, or however he wanted to navigate that conversation. And he says, put the freshman in the starting lineup. It was a turning point to me looking back on it. Now he sells me insurance. So there you go. I'm also plugging his insurance too. If you ever want to, name is Jace Christensen. We can, <laughs> he lives in Des Moines. Uh, so, but anyways, so that was like really a theme and, um, we get third place in the Raccoon River Conference. So we get third place in the league. We lose to uh, Ballard High School twice in the regular season, and we play them to go to state. So we're kind of the underdog from that standpoint. We had lost them twice, and they had a lot of – they had, like, college players. They had college football players um, for sure, and then a couple college basketball players as well. So they had the talent and the athleticism and the physicality, and we just – we beat them in Ames, Iowa. We made it to state. Our draw was uh, Marion, Iowa, uh, Marion High School, who had Amory Shelby. Um, I don't know if you guys know the name Amory Shelby. He ended up at Wayne State, I believe, guard. We couldn't really keep him in front of us, but we went in zone, I remember, and I think we, we won the game by one point, advanced to the semifinals, and um, I think third place was the highest we had ever finished in Carroll High School history, and we finished third place that year. We lost to Helan in the semifinal game. I was telling you guys off air that we were the second best team in the state that year because we lose to Healing by like 18 or 19 points. And they beat, I believe, Norwalk in the championship game by like 45 points. We win the consolation game against Harlan. I don't know how many points we won by, but we won the game. And so we finished third. 
on the books, but we are the second best team is what I like to tell everyone. And I'm not bitter about it at all. I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what was that? Looking at that constellation game. um, It's always, it's always a unique thing. I've, I've been to a few in my days and there's a, there's a team that is preparing for next year. And there's a team that can't wait to get home usually um, in the constellation game. But uh, Harlan, I mean, what was, what was that like? I mean, that's a, that's a program where, you know, traditionally, I mean, they're always going to come ready to go. Obviously you guys are kind of both over Western ish side of the state. And so um, that had to have been kind of a fun game to, to end things that freshman year. Yeah. That was a rivalry game for us, honestly, like Harlan and then the Catholic school, the private school in our town, Kemper, and then Healand. Those were kind of the three schools that always felt like they stood in our way or there was some bad blood for whatever reason. And so when we, we, we were fired up to play Harlan, like you said, it was a constellation game, so you can't win the championship anymore, but exactly what you said that's so true either teams are ready to pack it up and go home or teams are ready to like keep playing and see if you can it was my dad was uh my dad was our assistant coach and my dad I remember giving the speech in the locker room like there's two teams in the state in the entire state at each level that end their season with a win and we could be one of those teams and so that's kind of I thought that was my motivation and just let's go out on show these seniors out the way they should because they were such good leaders and let's just try to win this game. And we did, I I felt like, like I said, I don't know how many points we won by, but I felt like we were in control that whole game. Do you have it up? Yeah. I think it was 60, 63, 57, I think is what I saw. So possessions. Okay. Yeah. 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 It felt like we were in control though. It felt like we had the game in our hands the whole time. Like I said, we were, we kind of leaned on our leaders and we kind of balled out that game. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you mentioned that freshman year. Now that we know that you made it back to state the next year, um, uh, obviously wins and loss and stuff like that matter when you make it to state. But what would you say um, was it senior leadership again? Um, I'm assuming that all those, you know, usually when you reload in high school, you don't really reload with as many seniors. But was it senior leadership again that next year? Or or, uh, what would you say, um, I guess, propelled you guys into the state tournament again? My sophomore year was just sheer talent. I'll be honest. It was like we had we had so much talent. I was telling you guys earlier, Blake Haluska is the younger brother of Adam and Sean Haluska, who played Division One basketball, and he and Blake played Division One football at Iowa. He was a senior. Uh, a guy named Brian Gossett, who was a great high school player, was a senior. Uh, our juniors were uh, Taylor Ostrich, who played. Division one baseball at Old Dominion. Uh, Jordan Holdsworth played division two basketball at Wayne State College. I was a sophomore that year. And so that was our starting lineup. It was it was a sophomore who I, I played D1, obviously. So uh, D1, a D1 baseball player, a D2 basketball player, a really good high school player, and then a D1 football player. That was our starting lineup. So we had a lot of, we just had a lot of talent (laughs) at the 3A level, honestly. So we kind of ran the table in high school. We played Ballard again to go to state and uh, beat him in overtime or double overtime. It was a closer game. We actually kind of flipped the script. We beat them twice in the regular season. Then we beat him again to go to state. And then of course, ran into Helan in the first round. Naturally, they changed the whole algorithm and it was all on record. And so they were playing against all these Sioux city teams 
they, so they were getting beat by like east and west and north and yeah. whole western christian who probably won state at 2a and they were getting beat by all these teams so we were the one seed they were the eight seed they end up winning state Oh, wow. So the one seed gets beat wow. by the eight seed to open up, open it up, and then they run the table. So wow. two years, my first, my two years I made it to state, we're the second best team in and the you state. Have to, you have to play, you have to play healing. Like what a buzzkill have to wow. go there. Um, so looking at this, obviously it was a, a much closer game. Uh, looks like you guys lost by nine. And so yeah. you uh, were twice as good the second time around. Um, sure. And so, <laughs> um but so I see if you remember, but Pella was also there and they hammered four city in the first round, like 85 to 50 is what I'm looking at. Do you remember that Pella? What, who was on that Pella team? Do you remember? I don't remember oh, I anybody. I, on that Pella that's team. interesting. Well, cause then they went and they beat Mount Pleasant um, and Helan had a close one against assumption. They only beat them by one. Okay. Uh, and then beat Pella by five in the finals that, that year. Um, and for the listeners, that would be uh, 2010 is the year that we're looking at. And so, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of really good, really good basketball and, and just yeah. storied programs. I mean, you got Assumption, Keelan, <coughs> Carroll, Grimes, Mount Pleasant, Western Dubuque, Pella and Four City, all in, all in 3A that year. And so um, that's awesome. Okay. I have to uh, I have to dive back into that year because that, that's a very competitive year, it seems like. And if I remember right, that assumption game, there was a game winner by Helan. The Helan assumption game, I believe we'd have to look back at this. Exactly. I believe it was Shane Graves, the freshman for Helan, hits the game winner. He ends up, I think he went to Briarcliff. Yeah. Little lefty guard. Yeah. And uh, I think he hit the game winner against against Assumption to advance him to the finals. Or was that the finals? No, that was the semi. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think it was the that, that was that game. What what year was um again putting you on the spot? But what year was Eric May's shot? Got, you that know, was the year before. That was my eighth grade year. That would yeah. have been 08. 08. Yeah. Oh seven oh eight season. That was that was Eric May's shot. Yeah. That was that was crazy. I was I was in the house for that one. That was uh that was a lot of fun. That was that was crazy. That was crazy. Yeah, I was at the state tournament that year. That that was crazy. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that's. Uh, I tell you what, that window of time. I mean, you can you can pull out certain windows throughout Iowa high school history, and it's just the games. There's there's talent. There's years in which the talent is just unbelievable. But then there's years in which like you have the balance and you have like the fun games and the excitement mm-hmm. in which that that come with it, and uh, that's why we love it. That's why we love it so yeah. much. And so then yeah. so. T- Take us through the rest of the way then uh junior junior and senior year um i believe at least one of those you caught caught a healing team in substate as well but uh but finishing out your career um towards the end uh what do you remember about it and ultimately then when the horn sound at the end of your senior year uh what, what was the thoughts and, and feelings a little bit for you yeah my junior year so i do know that every year of high school i got eliminated my our team that I played on got eliminated a year or a, a round earlier or a round earlier. Yes. Okay. Here. So that is what I do remember. Um, so my junior year, we got eliminated in substate by MOC Floyd Valley. They had a really good team just full of like Northwestern Iowa kids who all ended up at Northwestern or um, Dort or, you know, Morningside teams like that. They're just really solid basketball players and could all, sh- I remember they were all really skilled, could all really shoot it. 
and you couldn't really help off of anybody. So you had to guard everybody and they were really tough that way. My senior year, we, uh, the other thing, my junior year, I didn't play, I played football in high school, but I didn't play football that year because I broke my kneecap. So I felt like I was hobbled that year and not, I'm not making excuses, but I was, I was hobbled that year. And if I wasn't hobbled, we would have definitely made it to state. But my senior year, we, we lose to uh, Helan in the game before Substate, and Shane Graves was the uh, was a point guard was the point guard for that team, and they had some other kids on that team, just good solid high school players in in Iowa. And uh, the last question you had, like the memories that I had in high school, was just I think that freshman year, just having that senior leadership because we didn't have we had talent, but we were super young. Like the talent, the really talented players I thought were like super young looking back on it, but we did have seniors who put their egos to the side and just really wanted to win at the end of the day and did everything they could possibly do to win games. And like I said, we finished third place in the conference and then we go on to finish third place in the state. And I just thought we kept such an even keel that whole season. We started off three and two or three and three and rattled off like 18 wins straight to kind of finish the season. And we lost somewhere in the middle there um, or towards the end to Ballard. But like I said, we eat Ballard and Substate. And I think what I remember is definitely that leadership my freshman year. I certainly remember my coaching staff. I thought Craig Dauma was you know, as I'm trying to progress in this industry, Craig Dalmo is like a perfect example of letting players be themselves, giving players freedom, putting everybody in a position to succeed and play to their strengths. And then also kind of being able to rein everybody in and being able to tighten everything up when it needs to be tightened up. And of course, my assistant, my entire high school year years were, was my dad. So my dad was such a huge impact and like, and really inspired me to be a coach. He was such a good coach for me, really coached me in every sport. He coached me in little league baseball, in high school football and in high school basketball. And just kind of taught me how to be tough, taught me how to take coaching, taught me how to be a good leader. And I thought that was, those are like the huge takeaways, just the leadership portion of everything. And then just, how to communicate with people and how to win games. What was the uh, dynamic and relationship or was there something that you look back on now being a coach that your dad did really well to try to separate the son and the dad and the coach part of it? Cause I mean, that's tough to juggle. I know we all, I mean, Adam and I, we both, we coach our kids too. And it's, it, there are times where you got to take about six steps back and yeah, uh, just kind of let them figure out, was there something that you remember your dad doing that maybe at the time uh, you were frustrated or maybe, you know, now you appreciate a little bit more. I don't know if there's anything specifically, but I do know it had to be tough for him to coach me when I was a freshman because there weren't a lot of freshmen that played. And so I imagine for a lot of the players on the team, there was a natural instinct to feel like the coaching staff was playing favorites. And how he navigated that, I will never understand. But I do know when I was on the court, he held me to a very high standard. And if I wasn't holding up to that standard, he let me know. And you, it was never up in the air if 
you weren't holding up to that standard because he would just tell you like that's not how we do things and this is how we do things right now and if you don't want to do it this way you can get out of the gym and he was happy to let me know of that as well so <laughs> it, it's it was great it taught me so many lessons honestly like how to coach different personalities how to coach different levels of talent how to coach different ages i mean right now we'll have some freshmen that play and we'll have some as you guys know, with the COVID years, we'll have some six-year seniors that play. We have some grown men that are 23 year old, 23 years old, playing with 18 years old year olds. That big difference. Yeah, it's a yeah. huge difference. They don't. I mean, it's their first time away from home for a lot of these kids. Mm -hmm. A lot of these kids are a thousand miles away from home. So it it taught me a lot, and I'm learning each day how much he taught me, but. My dad was honestly a huge, huge impact to where I've progressed in this coaching industry. I will uh, I'll also tell you that uh, the standard and maybe a little bit of the pressure that comes from, from being a, a, a coach's kid also falls back on dad as the coach too. You know, <laughs> like you're sitting there, you're like, man, you got to ball out because I, I'm the coach and they're going to say, hey, you're playing because of your, you know what I mean? And so it's like, yeah, sitting on the sidelines, you're like, come on, come on now. Let's go. No let's, get, let's get it going. No doubt. No, I felt that. I mean, I felt that in the summertime, especially between my eighth grade and ninth grade year. I, I could feel, I don't want to say some friction or tension, but I could feel that maybe there were some older guys that were wondering why I was on the court, you know, and there is, I mean, for me, some pressure at that time. I remember having feeling some pressure to like, if you don't perform now, They'll never respect you. So mm -hmm. you better like you better approach this June 15th summer day camp as the state championship, because if you don't, you're going to get swallowed up and there's no turning back after that. Yeah. What do. um, And so was 47 points against Winterset highest uh, highest point total in high school. Yeah, that was my highest. Yep. What do you remember about that game? I remember that the game before that when we played winter set, they triangle and two us with two guys on me. So we played four on three the entire game. No kidding. And so I sat at half court and I watched my teammates play four on three. I play the analytical mathematical game. If we, if our four players can't score on their three and win this game, then we shouldn't win the game. And so the next game, they kind of reversed it and they were just like, we're going to play me straight up and kind of play me like another guy mm -hmm. and I got hot you know in the uh, it was pretty steady I think I had you know 10 to 15 points each quarter leading up to that fourth I, I don't know maybe I had 30 points going into the fourth so I needed 17 to get to that 47 and um we made I made two or three threes you know back to back to back and I came off a staggered and from like 25, 26 feet going right, left. I remember I was going right shoulder into the shot, which is, that was my angle. That was what I like to do right, left into the shot. And I just, I remember catching it and it was it was still a close game. They were competing. And I just, I was telling myself, I'm just going to let it go. Let's just see what happened. And I didn't hit the rim. <laughs> so <laughs> so good about that. And then the other thing I remembered our student section got in some trouble and so they're usually courtside and the student section 
either to protest them getting in trouble or because they were sent to the mezzanine. They go to the mezzanine. So I can barely hear the student section, but I'm at 47 and they're chanting one more three to me to get to 50. <laughs> and I had a wide open look, but the game was over. We we're up by like 14 oh. with like 10 seconds to go. And I catch mm -hmm. the ball on the right wing. I still, so this is another advantage of having your dad as a coach. I have all the DVDs still. So I watched this like, like, with, like in the last four or five years, I've watched this game. I caught the ball on the right wing and I had it and I, I pump faked it. Just shot the ball. Who would have cared? Right. And oh, I would have missed. It's fine, but I could have had 50, but that's all right. That's what I remember about the game though. It was, it was a close game because they competed. We were better than them, but they were like really hung with us. And I got hot in the fourth quarter. That was what I remember. Did you get some that's free great. throws? You get some free throws down the stretch to – you remember hitting any? I mean, that's always nice when it's kind of when it's close enough, and you're like, "Well, they're gonna start following me. I'm just gonna go line and knock them down." Yeah, somebody I got tackled towards the end of the game, and they got teed up, and I made my two free throws. And then the next possession, I got an and one on a layup, and I missed my free throw. Oh, jeez! I remember missing the free throw. Of course, you you don't remember the ones you make. Right. You, never you, just, you just assume that's gonna happen. Yeah. Right? You miss, so I missed that free throw long. And if I pry, if I make that, I could probably just got the layup to get to 50 and on a breakaway situation. But you know, like I said, you always remember yeah. the ones you miss. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. It's always in it's 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 always interesting to talk to people about those games. You know, I've I've had a couple of games where I've where I've where I've scored a little bit and yeah. Some of them, I'm just like, you know, you, you feel like you're kind of in the zone where you don't really remember a whole lot about it. You just remember like, oh, yeah, I scored that many points. But yeah. others, others are, you know, you remember that's the well, and, and especially for you, it sounds like there were some, I mean, like weird things with the student section and you getting tackled in a basketball game. Like yeah. that would be that would that would be uh, worth um, worth remembering for sure. Yeah, I feel like uh, so I've, I've had some good games against South Dakota State, our rivalry in college. And those are the games, because I don't know if it's because of there's so many fans and it's a rivalry game. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that was, if it was your experience playing in college, like the rivalry games against Drake or whoever it was that you were playing against that the larger crowds, I black out. I'm like, I don't, I had, <laughs> I had 21 points. I don't remember how I got to those. I could have had seven threes, but I could have had three threes and got to the line and got, like I have no idea. <laughs> so to, to that point, what was the Kemper games like then for you guys? Was that something where like convenience stores shut down and everyone's going to the game or what? Yeah, those are those are crazy. Those are that's a great example of the games I black out. I don't remember because <laughs> the crowds are crazy and our gyms, Kemper's gym and Carol's gym aren't massive. I don't know. Maybe they see a thousand people or I don't know, maybe even less. And everyone, it feels like everyone in the town comes. It's of course not that way, but right. it feels like everyone's there. And that's what everyone talks about at breakfast the next day. But yeah, yeah we, uh, we had some good battles of course. And, um, but though, yeah, I'm, I had my freshman year, I came up, that was the first game of my high school career was Kemper. And I came off the bench and I do, I'll talk about this now. I didn't, I used to be embarrassed about talking about this, but I, uh, I was a freshman, so I'm 14 years old, and I make a three. I make a three by their student section, and I and I look at them, and I talk a little bit. <laughs> I got so many Facebook messages after the game, like, I hate you. 
I despise you. Don't, don't ever, don't ever come in, into this area again. Don't ever talk to me. I'll ring your, like some pretty wow. aggressive threats, but I mean, it's a rivalry game. It's, it's, I mean, worse things have happened to people. Let's just put it that way. I, I wasn't at the time I was like, this is, I kind of like this. Let's, let's get this rivalry going. I'll, like, let me go to social media quick and <laughs> let's see what happens. I, I tell you what, uh, bringing that up. Um, well, well, two things. One, obviously, Algona, Algona Garrigan. So we had yeah. a similar rivalry in town. And uh, the first matchup was always the way it set up. It was always the game before Christmas break. And so it always made it even even more fun, that game before oh, Christmas yeah. break. And then it was then it ended up the way that it worked out late in the season. It was, you know, towards the end, the second time around when they were in our conference. And so it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. but, uh, to your point though, the social media thing, I mean, that's something Adam and I, we had the privilege of not having to deal with social media when we were playing other than, um, Iowa preps. And so yeah. oh, you jump yeah. on Iowa preps and you would just get, you would, and everyone's anonymous. Then you, you really got it after doing something like that. Those anonymous message boards, you gotta, you just gotta stay away. I've learned that. I've learned yeah. that really since joining the coaching world, you got like, you know how easy how easy it is to point the finger at whoever you want. Yeah. I mean, that's to, I mean to get a little serious now. To that's something you gotta you just whether you're a player or a coach in 2022, you need to just stay away from those message boards because there's yep. some hateful things in those things. Nothing nothing good on there. It's kind of like the old saying that nothing good happens after midnight. It's nothing exactly. nothing good happens on the message board. So there's no doubt. No um, so what was recruitment like in high school for you? Um, I know that th you played summer, did a, or did they, you think, I believe with kingdom, um, mm -hmm. if that's correct. And then, uh, what do you, what do you remember about the recruitment process and ultimately what, uh, what took you to South Dakota? Yeah. What I remember is it was really heavy early and then it died down late. That's what I remember. I, uh, I had South Dakota state offer, uh, freshman or sophomore year out of high school and, Remember Jeff Rudder at who was at Iowa State now, who's now he's a really good friend of mine. Um, was recruiting me at Iowa State and um can't remember the guy's first name. Phillips at Drake. Is it Mark Phillips? Mark, Mark Phelps. Mark Phelps. Yeah. Phillips. Yep. Mark Phelps. Yep. Mark. And so I had Drake, I had you and I, I had Iowa State and Iowa and um early. And then I so I broke my kneecap somewhere between my sophomore and junior year. In the very first AAU tournament, I broke my kneecap and cut me out of all of that AAU season and tried to make a full recovery, never felt like it was a full recovery. And then the summer going into my junior to senior year was my obviously my last year of AAU. And USD was kind of the team that showed me was super loyal throughout the whole thing and believed in me and showed me that they cared most throughout the whole thing. And I think I preach that now to the kids that I recruit is like, who, who do you feel values you? Like, and that's what USD was to me. They valued me the whole time. They showed that I mattered and they cared about me. They brought me to campus. The very first home football game. I remember they brought me to campus and kind of threw everything at me, wanted me to commit on the spot. Told me, like kind of told me where I could fit into what they were planning on doing showed me the plan of the new arena and felt like home. I thought from Carroll, Iowa to Vermilion, South Dakota, it was like two hours and 15 minutes. I thought it was the perfect drive. 
just close enough that if my parents wanted to visit to do the laundry, they could. Mm -hmm. And if I wanted to stay away from them, I could also, you know, they were just far away. <laughs> I could not just like see them every day. So no, it was, that was my recruitment late. Um, I remember some teams later on kind of try to swoop in late because I did have a good summer that year between junior and senior year, but I wanted to remember talking to my parents about when I wanted to commit. And, you know, of course there's the November early signing date. And then they say the late signing date, which is in April. And I wanted to recruit, I wanted to commit early and then just play out my senior year with a, just a kind of a clean head, like just kind of, I'm not scattered and thinking about this, that, and third. And I wanted to, so I wanted to have made up my mind going into my basketball season. So I, signed early in November to USD. It was the best decision I make I made. And that was, that was my recruitment really in a nutshell. They, my freshman year of college was their first year of postseason eligibility. So they had done the four years of probation of D one. And so it was year five, which was the first year of the summit league and being able to go to the NCAA tournament, which was a huge factor as well. Yeah, that's great. Um, and yeah, you're, you're exactly right. That's uh, I believe the, the path I took to, uh, with recruitment as well as just getting it out of the way before that year starts. And, yeah. you know, especially being a senior, um, having your head clear and just being able to concentrate on, you know, playing with your buddies and living sure. that last year of high school. That's great. Um, yeah. what was a, uh, welcome to college moment for you? Um, as far as basketball goes. Um, great question. We were, we had our summer access, you know, as every, every team does in the summer, this wasn't like an overly physical play or like an overly athletic play because I had that happened every day in the summer. It was like everybody overwhelmed me with their physicality and athletic athleticism. But uh, I pump faked. I, I remember I cut, I made a good cut. I caught the ball kind of full turned at like 12 feet on the left baseline and I pump faked. And my teammate, who's one of my greatest, my favorite teammates of all time, he went up to contest my pump fake. And he had these long nails. He's still playing overseas. He's one of the greatest coyotes ever. And he poked my eye. And I was bleeding from my eyeball. I had to wear goggles for like two months, eight, like literally eight weeks. I had to wear goggles. And I was like, that, that won't happen in high school basketball. I just, it's like I said, it's not like an overly physical play. It's not like I got bullied or like thrown into the stands, but I got my eye poked and I had to sit out. I was in concussion protocol because I couldn't see. Wow. They thought I had a con it was that was like my welcome to college. This is real moment. And then uh, I, I kind of got lost in that rotation that summer between my my high school and first year of college and we made our foreign trip, which our foreign trip back then was to Canada and uh, <laughs> wasn't like Italy or Spain or Greece or anything. So we went up to Canada and I was kind of lost in the shuffle. I was like the 13th or 14th best player or 13th, 14th man on the team. And by the end of that trip, I had kind of inserted myself into the starting lineup. So I kind of earned my keep and made, made a ton of shots is what I did in Canada. Honestly, is what I did. I just started making a ton of shots and diving on the floor and trying to take charges and do all the little things that you want all the younger kids to do. I just thought about doing all that stuff and I did it. And that was, that was like a really fun experience for me to go through, honestly, like a really good growth thing for me to, to have my eye poked and be out for 
two weeks or however long I was out and have to wear these goggles. And now I'm lost in the shuffle. I'm probably a super afterthought to everybody on my staff and to just earn it and earn it and earn it and through practices and scrimmages and games. And then, like I said, when I get back to Vermillion, I'm in the starting lineup as a freshman. That was really cool for me. Not to mention, not to mention being up there and, you know, probably playing against some international players that, you know, have been playing professionally against really good competition, you know, doing it against that competition, um, you know, obviously may have, may have had your, had your coaching staff notice that a little bit more. Um, however, you know, just as far as, you know, mental, mental, um, um, I guess confidence, you know, doing it against those type of guys, those types of players, um, had to, had, had to do something in that one too. Yeah, that's a great point. The confidence level kind of went up when I was playing against different competition. That wasn't just my teammates who I'd only played with, you know, for two months or a month and a half or whatever it was. And to go against, Canadian guys who are honestly grown men playing at the University of Manitoba and the University of Winnipeg. And um, they had played in that same system forever, I'm sure, and played with the same people. And to prove that I could do it at that level, because I'd I'd only played against Iowa high school kids and on the AAU scene. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you can only be so confident when you play against a certain number of people, you know, and then you play against, you just keep playing against these, higher level kids and you keep at the end of the day you realize that basketball is basketball if you can play you can play if you can make a shot you can make a shot like that's that's what I learned at that stage you you know whether you're 18 years old or you're 23 years old if you can make a three-point shot at a high level and you can dive on the floor you can do that and there's a spot for you hopefully Definitely, uh, definitely the shooting. If you can shoot the rock at a high percentage, coach, doesn't matter what level. It doesn't matter what level you're at. If you can shoot it at a high percentage, they'll find a spot for you and figure out the rest from there. Um, I can't help but uh, draw comparisons between, so your high school career, um, coming in as a freshman and kind of trying to figure it out and not starting and then ultimately becoming All-State as a freshman um to same thing at at college and so kind of getting lost in the shuffle finding your way into the starting lineup um go on to have a a really successful career and so i i understand the where the hunger comes from and wanting to get into that but uh coming in on at you know such a young age at both the high school and the college level and then finding success right away what kept you hungry? What kept the drive going? What uh, allowed you to continue to be successful as you move through your career? I would need to think about that like so much to actually give you my correct answer. But I feel like I just, I love competition. That's what I like. I really am passionate about. I get emotional about competing. I really do. I, I like, I really, really want to compete all the time. And if I see a way to compete, like to get on the floor and go against somebody head to head, I'm doing anything I will, I can do to get on the floor. So I'll go into the head coach's office every single day and watch film with him. If that's what it takes. Like, I I don't care. I don't care how that might look. I don't care what people might say about that. I'll, I want to do whatever it takes to get on the floor. So I had three different head coaches in college And I I like to say I had three different people that I had to prove my worth to, because as you know, if there's a new head coach in town, he's bringing in his own guys. If he wants, he's got his own rotation that he has in his mind. 
And sometimes you're a part of that rotation and sometimes you're not. And I was not a part of that rotation for every staff that I, that coached me. And I just thought if there's a way to get on the floor, I'm going to find that way. So, like I said, my freshman year was all about what can you do really well that you can control? Like try your best to do that. So I, like I said, I, I probably led our team in taking charges that year. And I, I definitely led our team in diving on the floor. I just dove on every ball. I just, if, even if there was no chance I could grab that ball, I wanted to prove that I could at least put forth the effort to try to get that ball. And then helping my teammates up. I, we have a couple, we have an Amber, Amber alert in town. That's funny. So if there is a, if there is a way to like, be a better teammate. I, I found that way. Like I, I wanted to make sure I was the first person to help my teammates up. That's what I want to do. And then I knew that I had a niche in any system of being able to shoot the basketball. So I would, I would just try to make as many shots as possible. And I know I was recruited to shoot. So I knew like, to be completely honest, if I wasn't going to make shots, I, there was probably no chance to be on the floor anyway. So I was always in the gym trying to shoot and trying to make shots. And when I got that opportunity in the game, I tried to just let it fly if I was open. And luckily, honestly, my preparation paid off and I, I made enough shots to stay on the floor and then did all the intangibles that I'm talking about. So it was, I got lucky. And honestly, I, I feel like I've, I earned my keep as well. Love to hear that. Love to hear that. Um, what is a, <clears throat> what is the best memory you have of your playing days in Vermilion? Um, we played at, at, uh, at Minnesota at the Gophers and we beat them in double overtime. And I was the leading scorer in that game. That was, that was my favorite memory. It was my senior year too. So in my senior year, we play at the Gophers. It's the local, the most local D one, uh, high major team, probably, you know, you got Creighton South, you got Iowa state, Iowa, Wisconsin is a little bit further, but then you got Minnesota. And so we played at Minnesota and um, we had them down 10. It was, uh, I remember making a three to put us up 50 to 40. It was either 50 to 40 or 60 to 50. And I thought we kind of had the game. And then as, as it goes, you know, they kind of chip away at the thing, they chip away and they force us in overtime. They force us into double overtime. And then we're up two. I get fouled and I make the two free throws to put us up, you know, two possessions, put us up by four with like three seconds to go and that kind of put the game away. And that was the most memorable college experience. That was a lot of fun. That would be, um, what, what about the, uh, what about the 31 point game against Florida Gulf coast? Um, was that how close to lob city or dunk city or whatever, what did that Florida Gulf coast team been? Like, and was, was, uh, um, uh, was our guy down there too? Adam would have, um, Martin, Martin. uh, marty been there was marty richter at florida gulf coast when you guys I know played? marty i know marty richter because he's a no, he was now. at um um he was at southwest southwest, was at southwest that year because that yeah. was because your senior year was 2015-16 right yeah that's right yeah okay yeah so that would have been yeah but you were right you're right around there so so hung 31 on those guys that had to felt feel pretty good that was probably two years off of lob city so okay. Yeah, it was fresh. It was fresh in all of our minds. I remember we were, we got up for that game. You know, non. I think it was the last non-league game before we started league play. So, 
I think our staff was probably worried about like, is everyone just focused on league play and um, seven, se- was, seven threes helps that out a lot. It looks yeah. like. <laughs> so we got up early in that game. I remember. Was this at, they, was, were you at Florida Gulf Coast? Or what, oh, it's a neutral site game at the Sanford Pentagon in oh, Sioux Falls. Cool. So yeah. yeah, that was my, I think that was my high, that was my highest scoring game in college 31 at Florida Gulf Coast. So, or against Florida Gulf Coast. I, yeah, I remember they uh, they didn't know how to guard a pin down, so they kept on going under on the pin down. I just kept fading the pin down. Fade, man. Yeah, so I, I was open that. a lot. <laughs> so I was I was open and I took advantage of it. That's what I remember. That's oh, awesome. That's good. That's great. So looking looking through um, looking through your career, so you you mentioned it. So you played for three different coaches throughout uh, your career in college. Who who was all there while you were there? Which coaches were there? Yeah. Who'd you play for? Well, three coaches. So the head coach that recruited me was Dave Boots. So that's okay. who I played for my Boots. freshman year. Yep. And then going into my sophomore year in September, so right before basketball season started, he retired. And um, the they gave the interim tag to the top assistant at the time, Joey James. And um, he coached me for a year. And then they removed the interim tag. He moved on and coached at Concordia St. Paul, a D2 up in the cities. And then they hired Craig Smith from Nebraska. He was the assistant at Nebraska. Craig Smith coached me my last two years of college. And that's where Eric Peterson was the assistant. So um, that's where, I mean, obviously, I, I don't know how much you guys know about USD basketball, but it was Eric Peterson and Craig Smith and that staff that like really really took our program to a different level. It was, it was those guys that really, they, so they, my junior year it was our first winning, winning uh, season in D1 history. We were like 18 and 13 or something kind of ridiculous, honestly, for the hand that they were given. And, you know, they inherited some things that they had to change and they did such a good job, just like, honestly keeping the ship above water from so many aspects and then my senior year we struggled a little bit but that was the year that the summit league was the 10th best conference in the country rpi wise we that was the year we 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 didn't finish well in our league but we beat minnesota south dakota state beat minnesota um omaha beat washington state uh purdue fort wayne beat indiana there was a bunch of uh, NDSU beat Notre Dame. I think there was just a ton of summer league schools that beat high major teams. And it was like the norm. I think we, we knocked off like 10 high major teams that year as a league. But anyways, um, I got coached by Craig Smith and those guys. Um, that's where I got, built my relationship with Eric Peterson. Those last two years of college. Was, so, uh, yep. was Eric Johnson there when you were there at all? My first year, EJ, EJ and I yeah, were good. Yeah, really yep. good friends. Yep. I know EJ from way back. Yep. Yep. Way Wayne back. State. Wayne State guy. Yep. Yep. Newell Fonda. I always no say doubt. I always say it. I always I always say the Newell wrong. He's he tells me it's Newell. So I always it's Newell? say it. It's not Newell, Newell Fonda. Newell. Newell. No, it's yeah, Newell. Yeah. They get the chance. I mean, have you ever seen those guys play? Newell Fonda. Like it's they, they I coached uh coached a guy named Tyler Hagedorn, who's now in the G League from Norfolk, Nebraska. It's not Norfolk. Nebraska, although it's spelled it's spelled F O L K, but it's Norfolk. I could never understand it. Never will. 
but anyways, <laughs> that's interesting. Um, so, uh, you know, I, obviously with your, with your dad's coaching background and, you know, it seems like just from some of the, uh, stories we've heard from your past, you know, I assume that, that the coaching bug has always been kind of with you, but when, when do you remember saying to yourself, Hey, I think that coaching is where I want to go. Um, you know, obviously you mentioned you played overseas a little bit, but when do you remember it being like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Feels like my middle of my college career is when, you know, like I, I can remember I'd go home after practices or games and, or workouts in the summertime, I'd go home and I'd watch YouTube videos of certain players. Like I remember I'd always watch JJ Redick coming off pin downs or rip Hamilton using screens and I was just like infatuated with how they use screens and shooting the ball, things of that nature. And then something flipped like my junior or senior of college. I started watching post-game pressers of head coaches. <laughs> That's where I remember. I remember watching Brad Stevens with the Celtics and Steve Kerr with the Warriors and just like listening and hanging on to every word they would say to the media and how they would describe dissecting certain coverages or a plan of we're going to play this guy in this rotation and guard guard him with this man or blitz this ball screen or guard this action a certain way and being like that's really interesting to me <laughs> and I just got wow. the itch I started to, I started to pick you could you should ask coach Smith this if you could get him on he's now at Utah as you guys probably know but mm -hmm. coach Smith I would text him all the time and as a player and just be like what if we guarded this action this way or what if we ran this because this team ice is a ball screen I, I would ask him this as a player and I would and then I just he would tell me you know you got you have coaching in your blood you, you understand that right like I don't get players that say this I don't get players that ask this question so it was then where I realized I had this itch and I, I went overseas and I still was kind of dissecting the game the same way. And when I was overseas, we only played one game a week. So I would just watch film th that week. And I would kind of go to the head coach with ideas, or I'd talk to our players about certain ways that we can combat this coverage or whatever. And so I, I feel like middle of my college career is when I got passionate about trying to figure out and navigate the X's and O's of basketball. I think it's pretty safe to say that uh, I have never watched a post-game or pre-game <laughs> on TV or on YouTube for that matter. So it's not that, that interesting makes, unless you want to be a coach. <laughs> right. It, may, it makes a lot of sense that, that you're doing that now. That's yeah, good. Sure. That's good. Um, well, perfect. So um, <clears throat> what about future? I know obviously with, um, you know, um, up there at Adam South code, new, new head coach, um, I guess goals for you, um, head coach in the future. Uh, have you thought that far ahead? Obviously, a lot of things going on with the with the wedding and everything. But uh, yeah. have you thought that far ahead yet? Not really. I mean, it's of course a goal. Like I really want to be a head coach at some point and run a program. And I have all these these ideas I'd like to implement. But at the same time, I know, or I feel like I know how you make it. You know, you just kind of be where your feet are and try to do your best for the current head coach. And that's kind of my mentality right now is just be there for Eric Peterson, whatever he needs, whatever the university needs to kind of catapult this program.
program to do my part. You know, I know there's only so much you can do as an assistant and, but at the same time, there's a lot that's there. There's a lot of opportunities. So I'm just going to do my best to fit my, to fill in where I'm needed. And, you know, if there's any requests that anybody on this campus needs, I'll, I'll do my best to, to succeed in that role. So at the, at the same time, you know, I, I do want to be a head coach at some point in my life. I don't know when that might be. I know I'm young. Um, I am hungry to, to kind of make it as far as that goes, but yeah, like I said, I'm trying to be where my feet are, be present, do my job at the same time. That's uh, that's the best way to go about it. That's for sure, coach. Um, so as far a little bit here, we don't want to spend a ton of time, but your journey to get back to South Dakota, was it was it a no brainer that you're like, hey, this is where I want to eventually get back to coaching? I know you spent some time um, in Des Moines and I believe you did some coaching, uh, some AU type level stuff or um, some workouts, some skill development stuff in Des Moines. Um, yeah. was, was the goal to just network and find a staff or whether, were you kind of always had it in the back of your head? Hey, I, I really know that program and I know those teams. Well, that would be a good fit. Or once you came back from overseas, what was the goal to, to get in? Did you, did high school ever cross your mind or was it college all the way or what were the thoughts? Yeah, I didn't, I don't know if I had a thought. I was pretty lost at that point. I was just like, <laughs> I got done playing overseas and I did the player development stuff for pure sweat basketball. And I was just in the gym all the time and just working people out, trying to be creative with certain drills and games that I could help people with. And ultimately like just help them win some more games for their high school team. That's all I was doing. And um, it was that spring where Craig Smith took a different job and went to Utah state. And so there was a head coaching vacancy. Todd Lee got hired at USD and Long story short, I applied for the director of basketball operations job in April of 2018, and I got the job. I wasn't really looking. I, I applied for that job and one other job. Literally, I just applied for that job and one other job and got an interview. I think literally I, I applied for the job, got an interview the next day, got an offer the next day, and accepted the job the next day. So in four days from applying for the job to accepting the job, in four days I took it, and, and I moved a month later. Um, because on April 1st, I, on April 1st, I interviewed and on April 30th, I had moved to Vermilion. So it took me 29 days to move and start the job. And so it just like, it all hit me all at once. I just got thrown in the fire and I loved it. And I've been in Vermilion since April of 2018. I, I, the thought process probably went, okay, he's an alum. He can hoop. He can shoot it a little bit. Uh, he's been in the gym a lot. He watches YouTube videos of coaches uh, <laughs> post game interview. Let's get him. Let's bring him on. Yep. I don't know him. if they knew that at the time, but let's, I like that story though. I like it. <laughs> oh, that's 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 great. And so then um, you started as director of ops and um, then moved up into the assistant role. Um, and so. Obviously, it had to be a huge change. How? Let me ask you. I guess this: How hard? I mean, you've been working with these kids. You've been doing player development. Um, obviously, you're super involved as a player in your own right. And so, uh, becoming the Debo, how hard was it to to not be able to do practice planning and to be with the guys on the floor and to kind of to kind of be stuck uh, stuck looking from the sidelines? Such a good, such a good question. It was awful. It was awful. <laughs> I had to, you know, I mean, you guys clearly know this, 
but when you're the dobo you're just behind the scenes you're doing all that administrative paperwork stuff you're trying to navigate team travel and team meals and stuff like honestly there's so many people that are passionate about that but I wasn't and luckily my boss at the time knew that and knew what I like I wanted to be a coach so I didn't want to be stuck in this spot forever it was hard at first but you figure out like anything you figure out ways to get creative and be involved with basketball as much as possible so there's no restrictions on how much I can watch film I can always watch film so I was watching film all the time and there's no restrictions on how much I can text my boss ideas. So I was texting him probably way too much ideas on how we can figure things out. And so you still had to do the dirty work, but you got to, I mean, everyone has to start somewhere and has to basically everyone has to start with doing some dirty work with whatever business they're getting into. So you have to do that for a time. And I did it, you know, I did it for two years and I was lucky to get, get the bump to assistant at, in, uh, in June of 2020. If, uh, if nothing else, it, um, I would see the NBA come knocking on some video coordinator, some film, film, uh, guy. I mean, you got, you got that written all over you. I got to get better at all the software stuff that these video guys at the NBA do. I like, I've seen, I've met some of these video guys, the way that they can knock out the video software stuff is incredible. It's, it's unbelievable, but I like it. I like it, but I'll have to, uh, I'll have to get so much better at that stuff. <laughs> well, you, you never know. You, uh, you, you can pick up that pretty quickly. So that's for sure. Well, well, good coach. That's, uh, that's awesome. So then, uh, t- taking a look, um, this year, what, are, what are you guys excited about, you know, looking at your roster? Um, what, what are you looking forward to getting, getting in the gym here in a, in, in a few months and, and getting this year going? Yeah, we're like, we're really heavy with the guard spot. We have so many guards that can play at such a high level. We got a lot of returners coming back. Um, A lot of them played on the team two years ago that had a chance to win the conference, got second in the conference. We get our point guard back, A.J. Plitzwhite, who was out this past year with a knee injury, but two years ago was first team all league, best guard on our league. And he's coming back and and is healthy already. Um, And his teammates... A lot of a lot of them at the guard spot are returners, and so they've played at this level. They know the league, they know the Division One level of physicality and athleticism. And then we have our big man back, Tassos Kamateros from Greece, who is an honorable mention All League player. And so we do have some All League players back, but at the end of the day, we have eight new guys. We have eight returners, so we do have eight eight guys that are fresh and new to the system, new to Division One basketball. I shouldn't say that we have one transfer who played at Toledo, who is not new to division one basketball. He's played a year at division one basketball, which is very good to have that experience. So I'm really excited. You know, we're going to play with the freedom that I think all of our guys will enjoy. We're going to play a very, very tough schedule. We open with Wisconsin on November 7th, which is the first date that you can play a game. So that's going to be a major test for us right away. And then, Hopefully come back home, play a couple home games before um, hitting the road. We play an MTE uh, multi-team event um, in Florida, in Fort Myers, Florida, which would be great. We play Mississippi State on the road um, in November. So we play some Power 5 teams on the road early in November, which would be good. But I really do like our roster. I think at every spot we shoot it. That's the big thing that I see. And in our league, 
in any league, but in our league, really historically, if you don't shoot the ball, you can't really win our league and we can shoot the ball. And so we'll have a chance to compete with anybody night to night. And obviously what everyone talks about is you got to be able to defend at a high level. And that's the challenge in front of us right now. It's August 14th, I believe. And so I think our big focus when we get our guys back on campus is figuring out all the intricacies of defending at a very, very high level. I think we all agree in our program that we'll be able to score the ball, but how can we stop the other team so that we're not playing 95 to 93 games every night? You know, we, we got to win some games in the seventies and sixties if we're going to win our league. I think the the three of us like the sound of those 90 points. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's for sure. But uh, so I haven't, so your, your league schedule is online. I haven't seen the non-con. I'm sure you guys are still working through getting some of that worked out. Um, so what, so do you know any of the other ones you said you opened with Wisconsin, anybody else that you guys have? Um, yeah. Stuff of the, year? the one, the things, the ones that I can talk about are yep. uh, we play Wisconsin on the road. We play Mississippi state on the road. We play uh, like I said, the, we play two games in Fort Myers, Florida, and those opponents are TBD. Okay. And um, trying to think who else we're playing. Um, yeah, that might be that might be all that we have contracted right now. So yeah, if, I'll hop back on in a week and we'll talk more. <laughs> yeah, we'll, or I'll text you on the side. There you go. We got we got some things. No, we got some things in the works. We'll uh. We'll, we'll play some very competitive games. We What we look for, honestly, with our schedule is we, we play, obviously, we got to we gotta play some high major teams and raise money and play games that we feel like hopefully we can compete with these high major teams that are in our area, like Wisconsin. And then if we can travel and play a Mississippi State, um, and Chris Jans is from Iowa. Iowa. No, you guys okay. had him on. We did. Oh, yeah. 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 I did research too. Uh, <laughs> so we, we'll play him, which is going to be great. And then um, as much as we can, we try to play our level mid-major teams at home and on the road to gear us up for summer league play. Cause at the end of the day, the summer league is a one bid league. And if you can play teams, this is my personal opinion. Now, if you can play teams that are like you at home and on the road and beat those teams, that's going to prepare you the best for league play. And that's, that's what it's about. Do you know who's in the Fort Myers? Do you know the teams that are in that bubble? Uh, I don't know all the teams. I know, um, I believe LIU Brooklyn, I believe uh, Northern Illinois, us. I was trying to have, Drake's not it, going. The teams are, are announced. They, they've been announced. Okay. And I don't know, I don't know all of the teams, but yeah. it's, it's like, I, like I just said, it's the, it's, it's our level type teams that are that's good mid-major or mid-major plus that are very competitive teams and yeah yeah it'll, it'll be a good experience that uh going going to mississippi going to fort myers couple couple of uh trips there at the beginning of the year will be interesting to see how the freshmen handle deal figure out routine i mean all that yeah. fun stuff oh yeah yeah you got to be on the road you got to miss classes now you got to communicate with your professors and we play uh we play at Air Force this year. That'll be a good game oh, for us. Oh, that'll be fun. That's awesome. a fun campus. Mount, Mountain West team, and you're in the mountains, so you're, yeah, the elevation gets to. Yeah. You. I play. I played at Air Force in college. It's not. It's no joke. So yeah, that'll yeah. be good. 
Good, good. Well, um, we've appreciated your time here this evening, Coach. We'll get you out of here after our last bit of the podcast, which we like to call Rapid Fire, um, where Brian will hit you with a couple of questions, some about hoops, some not. Uh, you answer, which what comes to the top of your head. I'm ready to go. All right, Coach, let's do this. Um, first one we always lead with. Favorite visiting gym or arena you've had an opportunity to play in? Frost what? Arena, South Dakota State. That's a good one. That is a good of, one. Because I forgot about. Because of the rivalry, or you like the gym, or well, both? Yeah, well, it's the there's five thousand people in there, and it's loud as heck, and they're crazy, and they're yelling obscenities at you, and then you try to get buckets on them. I love it. That's that's a <laughs> good that. reason. That's I love it. All right, uh, who's your all-time starting five? Okay, yeah, of all time. All time. You guys are gonna hate me. I got, I got Magic Johnson at the one. Okay. I've thought way too much about this. I'm ready to go. I, I love it. Magic at the one. MJ at the two. Okay. LeBron at the three. Mm-hmm. And then everyone gets messed up with the four spot, and they choose a traditional four. But I need shooting at the four. So I'm going KD. Okay. Ooh. Kevin Durant's my four man, and then Shaq's my five. But everyone chooses like a Tim Duncan or a Dirk. Yeah. And Dirk shoots it, but I mean, look at historically, he shoots it from the mid range. And you got uh, Jordan already shoots it from the mid range. Do you need two mid range shooters? Right. And then you, you got to, where's the space for Shaq to operate if you got two mid range shooters? So KD's going to space the floor. And, Ma- and Magic doesn't shoot threes. So yeah, right. you need shooting out there. So I go, yeah, anyways. Well, but you could flip those. I mean, LeBron could play the four. I mean, let's be real, you know, and KD so, could play on the perimeter too. I've done I've done something really crazy in the past month or two, and I've really debated Le- taking Magic out, and he's on my bench, and LeBron's the one. Okay. And Jordan's four. the two, and Jordan's the two, and KD and Larry Bird are my three and four. <laughs> There you go. You like I, it? I do. I, I do. That. I love that. I'm gonna hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it throw one in here. All-time favorite shooter. Steph. Okay. Who's yours? Reggie? You like Reggie? Mm, no. Oh. I I I gotta go Steph or uh Ray. Ray Allen. Oh Ray, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Ray Ray. Yeah, that's hard to that's hard to hard to beat. That's for sure. Some people yeah. put some I've heard some people would do uh magic, Jordan, and Kobe, but I'm like you're going mid-range, mid-range, and a non-shooter. People are packing it in on you guys and making you threes. And, and you got ball down. Like, uh, Kobe needs the ball. Magic needs the ball in the pick and roll. And Jordan needs the ball. It's hard. What, what would you – could you work staff in there and play some Magic? What would that do for your squad? Now you're – Absolutely. You can work <laughs> I, in there. I just – I really love how much you've thought about this. This, oh, is, this, this oh. is great we've we've had like lunch dates with recruits or just as a staff and we get talking about this we've gone so far into going starting five three bench players and a head coach and the head coach gets me i'm like the head coach it's phil jackson they're like no it's not it's pat regularly you need discipline in your program i'm like no what if you just want freedom and i just want steve kerr yeah 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 anyways we've yeah we've gone like wow We've gone really in depth. We've done three, yeah, three bench players. We've gone up to five bench players. We've gone like, who's your GM that's in charge of like, yeah, we've done everything. 
who's a best equipment manager. Yeah. Which which franchise are you choosing? Which city is the best for fans? What about uh, <laughs> what if you did? What if we went? Uh, would anything change? I mean, your your list pretty good here. These five, but the, go back to the hand check era. I mean, does does that does anything change? Do you think it changes? Steph would probably be the only one that would be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can do arm bar and put the hands on, like if that yeah. would change anything. I mean, then magic is your man for sure. But for sure, you know, yeah. I mean, you're still no one's guarding Shaq. Right. You know, MJ, KD. I mean, you just can't right. guard these guys. And then, you know, in, in late, I mean, you know, the last four or five years, you know, KD's started to hold his own on the defensive end. So, right. And that's, that's why I leave Larry out of it. Cause I don't know if Larry Bird guarded at all. And like everyone's like, yeah, but you'd shoot, you'd shoot out, shoot everybody if you had Larry and KD. But I'm like, yeah, but you guys got to understand if you have LeBron at the three and KD at the four. LeBron defends like when he wants to defend, he can defend And KD. Like you just said, he's held his own defensively and he's got the length to make up for it. I mean, there's an argument there for, there's not, there's not as much of an argument there for Larry. I don't think, I mean, he shoot, he'll shoot it and he'll, he'll be fun and everything on the court, but he's, yeah, he's not. The, the problem with the problem with Larry and especially, you know, our age and, and, and younger is, like it's hard to know when that because he ran in the back problem so early and but then played a lot and so it's like you didn't see prime bird you know it was just i don't know it's I just know. it's hard to look at the different eras but i mean yeah. uh you know larry legend has got to be got to be i mean but think to your point if you're bringing larry legend off the bench i mean geez look out i know oh i love it that's awesome um favorite movie shawshank redemption that's a really good one. Andy like Dufresne. That. That's yeah, great. great That's a good one. Um, what? Um, so 10 threes from the top of the key. How many are you making right now? Right now. Right now. Slight. 10. 10. <laughs> Ten. <laughs> Love it. So you still get shots up, even though your main job is a coach. Craig Smith used to say when the when our practice team would leave me open he he's like why are we leaving casey open he used to make he, he he'll make eight out of ten from that spot and i'd be like coach 10 <laughs> he tells that story so that's awesome i love that. i'm saying that's 10. that's good that's a good one um do you have a favorite uh favorite basketball shoe so when john wall was adidas i really like the john wall adidas uh, she's they're actually they're still in my in the coach's locker room I still have them so those are those are my favorite I know our guys right now like the Dame Lillards and yep. I used to hoop in the uh, Nike Hirachi 2k4s yeah can't go wrong with that but um, I can't I gotta plug Adidas right now so Lillard, Lillard, Harden, <laughs> Donovan Mitchell and when John Wall was Adidas the John Walls that's uh that's good when you said john wall i was like the reebok the zigzag no no no, no, no. yeah oh, i got gotcha. you speaking of that um i i saw some leaks on the on the new hardens they look pretty nice so you might have to get some of the guys in the no it's coming out our guys so we give our guys options on shoes and our guys are already asking if we're gonna have options for that shoe i'm not the gear guy but i'm like Talk to the gear guy because I'm with you. I, I got your back. <laughs> like we need those. 
Yeah, they look uh, they look pretty good. So that'll be interesting to see what shakes out. Um, all right, uh, go home to Carol, um, or Adam and I meet you over there uh, to catch a game. Where where do we go to eat? Where's the spot? What's the best place yeah, to that's eat? That's easy easiest question of the night. Okay. Rancho Grande. It's the Mexican joint right on the right on the ra- uh, trail tracks, railroad tracks. It's unbelievable. I love Rancho it. Grande. Got it. Yeah. Uh, when Mexican pizza places, burger places, we're in. So that's uh that's are you guys coming to Carol? Is that is that was that an invite? Should we meet up? <laughs> we yeah, we might have to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What uh <laughs> the next one is uh, for sure though. Um where where do we eat uh where do we eat in Vermilion when we come up to to catch a game? Where do we gotta go before the game to catch a good something to eat and maybe some some libations before we head over? Two spots. Silk Road Cafe. Okay. Dakota Brick House. Dakota Brick House. Two totally different types of food. Silk Road Cafe is an Asian cuisine. Mm. It's got everything. It's got chicken lo mein and kimchi noodles and uh, Hunan chicken. It's got everything. Uh, and then Dakota Brick House is burgers, tacos. Um, everything else. Burgers and tacos. That's what yeah, they have. That's it's, all that matters. Yeah, that's it's, all we need to hear. Yeah. yeah. I was saying we'll get that, uh, get that, maybe get a little Chinese before and uh, go to the brick house <laughs> afterwards. You know, there, I mean, there a, you go. That's a plan. That, uh, that, uh, that sounds like a, a, a good evening right there. Catch a coyote win while we're at it. And, no doubt. No uh, doubt. You guys are invited anytime. I got some tickets ready for you right now. Perfect. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll take you up on that for sure. Um, for all sure. right. Two more coach. We'll get you out of here. Um, we love asking this question is obviously a reason the podcast is named this, but uh, we really love asking it when we have another shooter on the pod. And so what does it mean to, uh, to have the shooters touch? Wow. Have the shooters touch. To me, a shooter's touch is a consistent follow through. And that's, that's when I, when I think about to have a shooter's touch, I, I think your follow through, you snap your wrist aggressively. It's like you're throwing these two fingers, your pointer finger and your middle finger right at the front of the rim. Mm-hmm. And it's consistent and it's fluid and it's smooth. And that's what gets you the shooter's touch. So that's what a shooter's touch is to me. That's that's a really like good. It. That's probably the most yep. detailed answer too that we've had. So <laughs> uh, take something from that and yeah, consistency, being able to, if it comes off your hand the same every time, uh, the, the chances of it going in, if something else goes wrong along the way is, uh, is still pretty high. So okay. we like we like that. Um, all right, Coach, last one, we'll get you out of here. But uh, what's the best thing about having an opportunity uh, to be a coach uh, up there at your alma mater at South Dakota? Hands down, the relationships with the players. Uh, that's what I love the most, I think. The wins, losses come and go. Your people you work with sometimes come and go and people move on to different opportunities. But if you develop the relationships with your players, I feel like every time I've been to the end of the season in that locker room at the end of the at the end of the year and you're saying good job to everybody or you're proud of them. And I just think that's what makes everything so worth it is when you develop that relationship with your players 
where you trust them and you love them and they trust you and they love you back. That's what makes everything so worth it. Whether, like I said, whether you have a down year or an up year or a contract year or whatever the case may be, that's what makes everything so fun. Great answer. It, uh, it definitely is. It's a, it's a game, um, but a game of relationships and one that uh, obviously has, has brought us together. Um, the game has, has brought us together. And the reason why we do this podcast is the reason why most people coach um, is just forming those relationships and, and helping people get better. And it sounds like uh, you're well on your way and um, we're excited to follow your journey individually, but uh, we're also excited to, to, to watch the coyotes as they continue to grow and um this year as you guys move forward and new head coach and we wish you the best of luck we appreciate you taking some time and, and jumping on chatting hoops and reminiscing with us and uh you know again thanks a lot coach yeah thank you guys so much i always enjoy talking hoops so anytime any place I'm, I'm always free i appreciate you guys we'll have to take you up on that and as brian said uh it was great to it's great to learn a little bit more about you coach and learn a little bit more about your background. Um, sure. And uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to uh, a good season from the Coyotes this year. And um, as you mentioned, more, more open basketball, fast pace is always, always fun. Um, and put some shooters out there and score some points. So no it's great to meet you. Thanks for your time, coach. No doubt. Thanks a lot, guys.